Well, good morning. Come on, we knew better than that. Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to be with you. I, I am so grateful to be with those of you that are here in the house, maybe for the first time or back in from a long time, as well as those of you are tuning in at home. And we want you to know that you are always, always welcome here at the Move of God called the Way Woodstock, where we are committed to introducing people to Jesus by sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Now, you know, there are a thousand other places that you could be this morning. There's a thousand other things you could be doing this morning. In fact, maybe you have a to-do list already in your mind or on paper of what you're going to do when you leave here. But whatever the reason is, God drew you here. Whether you got drugged here by someone that cared about you. I know some of y'all did, right? Can I get an amen to that? Or, or whether you chose to come here seeking, searching, or celebrating. I have no doubt that God is here in our midst. And God wants to speak to each of us, meet us right where we are, but not leave us as we are. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. amen. Now, some of y'all know, uh, and maybe you, if you follow me on social media, you may know that my family and I got away for an extended vacation a little over a week ago. We're, we're still kind of recuperating from that vacation because it was an active vacation. We got to go to Canada. We got to go to Banff, and, and then we got into northern Montana, and we went through Glacier National Park. And there's actually some pictures popping up on the screen of our time there. And and as I'm driving down the road, I mean, if you, any of y'all been to that part of the continent, it's amazing. I mean, the mountains go on forever and ever and ever and ever. The, the valleys the same way. I mean, as far as you can see, it's in a majestic view of God's creation. And as we're driving down the road, and I'm trying to take it in, we got a sunroof open and all this. I'm hearing my girl's soundtrack play Wide Open Spaces. And it's very fitting, especially when you get into Montana. And Montana has affectionately earned the name the Big Sky State. Yes? And, and, and what I found myself doing one morning while we were there, we were, we were in an a, a Airbnb. It was a small kind of house. Didn't have air conditioning, but it was awesome. That whole week we were in Montana, and I was sitting there as the sun was coming up and just trying to reflect and try to take in it all, being in awe of everything, the, the boundless creation that God had, had allowed us to see over this past week. I, I began to look at that, and I looked at it from a juxtaposition standpoint because I was conflicted in my soul because when I step out and I look out at what I'm seeing, it is expansive. It is limitless. And yet, as I was reflecting on my life and your life and how often we go through life, how often do you and I go through life with a sense of limitation, with a sense of confinement, with a sense of something that's holding us back from what we know, perhaps, is life as God intended it for us? You see, we're, we're all meant for more. Earlier on in this, in this calendar year, we kind of went through a series talking about we were meant for more. And I found myself in that moment saying, you know, there's more that God has in store for me and for you. When I look out and look at all his creation and the boundlessness of his creation, and yet the way that I sometimes walk through life in a limited way. Let me give you some examples. How many of you have ever been told a lie about yourself that you've bought into, whether you're not worthy enough or you'll never amount to anything, or maybe that you're a disappointment and you keep playing that soundtrack in your mind and you buy into that lie and it holds you back from living into the life that God has for you? Anybody there this morning? Or what about grief? You know, grief is unavoidable, isn't it? All of us experience the tragedy of loss in our lives. 
And yet, rather than move through grief, some of us get stuck in the middle of it, don't we? We know what that's like to get caught, to get stuck in the midst of that grief and despair. And we can't move past that grief and live into the fullness of what God has on the other side of it for us sometimes, don't we? Right? Some of us know what it's like to go through life having experienced some kind of injury or something that that sets us back. Maybe we're confined to a wheelchair. Maybe we're confined to something. and, And we buy into that idea that that confinement defines our limitations, don't we? And what about our past? How many of you have ever been hurt? Am I the only one? I mean, come on now. I think every single hand ought to go up on that. Yet yeah, sometimes, rather than remembering our past, we become a prisoner of our past, don't we? Don't we? And then there's this thing, I mean, you might as well be a cuss word. It happened in 2020, you know, it starts with a C. What, what was that? Pandemic. COVID. It was a pandemic. And some of us find ourselves still living in a state of a pandemic, don't we? Or we know of people that have kind of settled into new routines in response to that pandemic, and yet the pandemic's gone, but they have not moved on. Anybody there this morning? You see, so often... Despite the boundlessness of God's creation, we live in a bounded, confined, limiting way. And dare I say, I was reminded of this this past week, that so often it's not because of the circumstances, because we all have circumstances in our lives. Can I get an amen to that? It's how we respond to those circumstances that leave us in in living in a place of of, of more of a, a less than what God intended, what God has in store for our lives. You see, I think God has more in store for you. God has more in store for me. There's more than that self-limiting view that we have, have put up as a boundary, if you will, in our lives and our outlook on life. And, and if, you're, if you're like me, you might be wrestling with the idea, is there more? Could there be more? And, and I want to take us to a, a man that's not a whole lot different than ourselves in that sense, that he's had circumstances going on in his life that have left him yearning for more. And he goes to God asking for that kind of life. He's, he's found kind of in an obscure book in the Old Testament. It's Chronicles. Any of y'all read Chronicles? It's a fun book, y'all. Right? I mean, it reads like a history, but it's more than a history. And so I want to take you to this passage found in the first Chronicles. First and second Chronicles is really a two-volume book by an author. And chapter 4, we find this little snippet. Beginning in verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Oh God, I thank you for who you are and for who you see us as. God, you know there's a burden on my heart this morning that I couldn't even get on paper. And so God, I just pray that you would allow what you have put on my lips to share. would be faithful to your word. And be true to what you are calling us to hear this morning from you. Because we desperately need to hear from you. 
So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move mightily. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And all the church said, amen. Amen. You know, a text without a context is simply what? A proof text for whatever you want it to be. And so I think in order to, to get an understanding of just these few verses that we read, we've got to zoom out a little bit and understand where we are. You see, this chronicler, we don't know the author's name, but the, 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 the title of the book, First Second Chronicles, is, is appropriately named. I mean, he's chronicling the history of Israel, but it's far more than a history book. And, and if you were, any of y'all done an ancestry test, like a DNA test? Some of y'all done that? Well, well, the first nine chapters of Chronicles is a genealogy. It, it, it goes all the way back. He begins with Adam and Eve, and he moves through Noah and Abraham and to the 12 tribes of Judah. And, and he fast-forwards to modern day when he's writing, and where he's writing is post the exile. Any of y'all post-pandemic today? He, he's writing post the exile, post that time in which the Israelites had been in bondage for some 70 years, seven decades. And he's listing, he's listing all these names of all those that have moved back into Jerusalem and tried to resume life as it once was, only it wasn't quite like it was, nor like it could be. They're striving to have the temple rebuild. They're striving to have community rebuilt. They've rebuilt the wall. If you've ever read Ezra and Nehemiah, this is the time in which the chronicler is reflecting back on and so here we find Jabez. Uh, and there's not a lot that we know about Jabez. In fact, this is the only place he's mentioned in all of Scripture is here in First Chronicles chapter 4. And, 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 and what we know of this man is, is three things. One is, based on the kind of the ancestry DNA report that we're getting from the chronicler, is that he's part of the tribe of Judah. King David had come from the tribe of Judah. They're longing for a Messiah to come back from the tribe of Judah. And here's Jabez in the midst of that tribe. And we're also told that, that he, he was more honorable than his brothers. And we don't know why. We don't know for what reason he was more honorable. All we know is that he obviously had a family that had at least two brothers in it. So he had a somewhat large family. Maybe he had an even larger family. We don't know about the sisters either. But we do know that about him. And then this thing about his name. Any of y'all called Jabez today? Any of y'all? Any of y'all named a, a, a son or daughter named Jabez? Any of you that have birthed a baby out of today, can you attest that it's painful to give birth to a baby? I'm reminded from my wife, I didn't give birth to our daughters. I can't lay claim to know what it's like to give birth to a child. But I do know it's painful. I've watched it. I've watched my, my wife give birth to our two daughters. I remember my mom telling us about how my middle brother, he broke her tailbone coming out. He's been a pain in the butt ever since. It, it took my youngest brother to straighten that thing back out. True story. But I don't think that's the pain that Jabez's mother is thinking about. I think there's some other circumstance in our life associated with the coming into the world of Jabez that she's talking about. Because any of you that have given birth to a child, you know that it is, it is painful in the moment. But the joy, oh, the joy of welcoming a newborn into world outside of the womb, <laughs> it pales. It is, 
it overshadows the pain in the moment. Or else I think a lot of us would be called Jabez today. So here's Jabez. He's post the exile. He's back in Jerusalem. He's, He's amongst those that are there. Life has resumed. It's not quite like it was. We find him being reminded constantly. Anytime someone called him in his name, it reminded him of pain, of grief, of sorrow, of some sort in his life. But rather than allow his past to define him, rather than allow the circumstances of his life to confine him, Jabez was yearning deep within him. I can't help but think deep within him, there was a yearning. There's more for my life. There's more for the story that God has for my life. And so we find him reaching out to God, praying out to God, oh God, that you would bless me, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me and that keep me from harm so that I might experience no pain. And we're told that God answered his prayer. Seems simple enough. Let's get to it, church. Let's just pray that prayer, right? You know, some 20 years ago, I think a a book that came out that wasn't intended to go this way, I think did a disservice to this prayer. I think so often we read this and we think, well, that's the way we need to pray. And and it's somewhat of a prosperity prayer, right? Well, I I want blessings. Let me ask for them. I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. Any of y'all want a bigger house, bigger car, or bigger something? Some people do. The Word will teach you that tell you you want more it sounds like that's what jabez at first blush is praying for enlarge my territory land was an important thing it was an identity it helped him remind himself of what tribe he was a part of and it was it was handed down but when you start to think back and you start to look back at this prayer i don't think this is a prosperity prayer i think if if you've heard that or read that before perhaps it's been misleading because I think that so often we come to this prayer and we read it and we say, well, I need to pray that way or I've prayed that way and I've not got the answer that Jabez got. Any of y'all prayed that before? Any of y'all asked for blessings before? I have. Yes? And sometimes it's not answered the way Jabez is answered. I think sometimes, could it be, is it possible that we come to this prayer the same way that we come to our outlook on life in a very self-limiting way? What do you mean, Andy? Could it be that we come to this prayer the same way the world would teach us to? To ask God for what's in it for me. To what's in it for me. A prayer that, 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 that stops with self. You see, when, when Jabez was asking for a blessing, I can't help but think that he's thinking of that word Baruch. That's the Hebrew word. I love it when Jim recites that when we do communion here. Baruch atah, Baruch, Blessing. It appears some 300 times in the Old Testament alone, and it is evident throughout all of Scripture that God desires to bless us. But I can't help but think that Jabez is recalling the way in which God often blesses is so that we can be a blessing. What is it that he told Abram? He called him forth out of his home. He called him out of what he knew. He said, I'm going to bless you. Now, he's older than dirt, y'all. You know that, right? I mean, he's geriatric and he's being called out of his home. He's got no kids. He says, I'm going to bless you with a child. And your descendants are going to be as countless as the seashore. I'm going to make you into a great nation. But did you catch the rest of what God said? 
so that you might be a blessing to all people. When's the last time that you sought a blessing in order to be a blessing to someone else? Could it be that that's what Jabez was really searching for? God, I want, I, I want to be able to bless others. This post-exile time is hard. Bless me. And he's seeking a blessing, but not to limit it, to confine it to simply what's in it for him, but what's in it through him to other people. And the same thing with this enlarge your territory. You know, you know when you think about territory, when I, when I was flying into to Calgary, you could see how certain properties were kind of fenced off, right? We like private property, don't we? We like to put limits on who can come in. Am I right? We do that with our life too, don't we? And yet when you step back and you look in these parks, you see the boundless, boundlessness of God's creation. You see, I don't, I don't, I have to wonder if what Jabez was praying here was not so much enlarge my territory in order to give me more property, but enlarge my influence. Enlarge my capacity to have an impact on the community that I'm a part of. You, you see, you and I were created for more. I think Jabez realizes that he's part of God's story. His story is wrapped up in God's story. The chronicler is writing of this history, not simply to make a history book. In fact, in the Hebrew Bible, it's actually the last book in the Hebrew Bible. We have it toward the middle. But, and it looks like it's kind of a recap of everything that's happened. But, but what this chronicler's doing is looking back over God's provision, God's promises over the life of those that are called forth by God. And he's looking forward to the fact that there is still yet a Messiah to come from the line of Judah, that is, the, the tribe of Judah. And there is still a desire to get back in the temple and to worship as God meant and desired them to be. He's writing with a sense of hope of what's yet to come. We stand on the other side of that, y'all. Jesus has come. His kingdom is here. We are invited. We are created. We are intended to be a part of and participate in His kingdom. Do you realize that you were created for more? Or why else did Jesus die? What did He die for? So we could sit in our own self-limiting outlook of life. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took our limitation. He took the lies that we bought into and he took them upon the cross to set us free. He died in order to forgive you, but not just to forgive you, but to free you from those things that hold you back from the life that God has for you. And when you begin to realize that your identity is not in your stuff, it's not in your sexuality, it's not in your title, it's not in whatever it is that you've placed it in that is very limiting, that is far less than what God has and God sees you as, his daughters, his sons, worthy of being redeemed. You see, that is your identity. I like that amen. You can amen that. When you begin to realize that your identity is in him, not in any of this stuff. When you begin to realize that he has a purpose for your life beyond yourself, that you're intended to be a blessing to other people, to to all nations. What is it that Jesus invites us to? Go and make disciples of what? Come on now, y'all are asleep. Come on. Go and make disciples of what? We're invited to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. 
it's not about a self-limiting view that Satan and the world and the circumstances of our lives somehow have framed us in. But he died to break us free of that. He overcame the grave to defeat sin and death, to set us free so that we might see ourselves and our story as part of God's bigger story. When we begin to lay claim to that identity, that sense of purpose, that sense of belonging that's found in Christ and Christ alone, well, we cannot help but want to be a part of what he's a part of, which is advancing his kingdom. What is it that he taught his disciples to pray? Thy kingdom come. Not, who, not, not my, my kingdom, not your kingdom, but his kingdom come. And he taught his disciples much like Jabez prayed. And lead us not to temptation. What did Jabez say? Put your hand on me. Keep me, keep me from hurt. Because the thing is, is, when we tend to take it on our own, we try to do it our own, we try to do it our own way, well, we tend to screw it up, don't we? We tend to cause a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. You know, when you think about that prayer that Jesus taught us, it's in a parallel to, to asking for God's hand to be upon us. He says, lead us, lead us. Are you willing to follow? Rather than take the lead, are you willing to follow where Jesus is calling you? Because I can tell you, he will take you to greater places, lead you to have a greater impact on this world for an eternity, not the temporary. That's, that's what we were meant for. I found myself this past week in that, that, that word, enlarge my territory, was impressed on my heart. This was not the scripture that we had picked out for this week. But I can't let it go. Because God has more in store for you. Men, what would it look like for you to pray, enlarge my influence? Women, what would it look like to pray, enlarge my influence? Students, what would it look like to pray, enlarge my ability to influence the students in my life and in my sphere of influence? Parents, what would it look like? Grandparents, what would it look like to pray, enlarge my influence? Business owners, what would it look like to say, enlarge my territory? And I'm not talking bottom line profits. I'm talking about kingdom impact through your business. Well, we would see this world set on fire for God. And church, same thing. Same thing. You know, we have this vision. What's it called? Making room, right? Well, let me let me let me let you in on something. I cannot wait. I I, I am tasting, I am itching to get into Latimer Hall. Any of y'all with me this morning? Come on, y'all asleep this morning. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That vision has far less to do with a building and has far more to do with a body. You. Me. The body of Christ called the way. Woodstock. It's it's about a prayer on our hearts that, that we ought to be asking God, how can we be a part of a larger part of your kingdom? How can we be a part of a larger impact here in this city? How can we see more people come to know you through our efforts, through our way of leading and loving as you have called us to? You know, when you look out and you realize that 62% of those within two and a half miles of here don't know Jesus, when he says, go out and make disciples, there's a lot of fertile ground out there, y'all. 
You see, making room, if, if all we settle for is simply moving ministries over that already exist into a new space, a larger space, which we need, we've missed the point. You want me to share with you what I see, what God's imparted on my heart in terms of enlarging our territory? Well, let me tell you what that looks like. It looks like turning Georgia Dawson into what we call Oasis. A place for acute care, whether you're dealing with addiction, whether you're dealing with grief, whether you're dealing with marital issues, whether you're dealing with financial issues. A place where you can find counselors and you can find small groups that will walk alongside you in that acute need in your life and come to meet Jesus in the process. You know what enlarging our territory looks like to me? Making room? It looks like this not only being a worship place on Sunday morning, but on Friday night, having Friday night fire and having different praise teams open and open to anyone and everyone to come. It looks like inviting couples in and pouring into couples because marriage is challenging. Can I get an amen to any of y'all that have been married or are married? But it's an enriching thing. And for those that are called to that, God wants to be a part of your marriage. And we can participate in helping God be that third cord. Because a three-string cord cannot be easily set apart, torn apart. Can I get an amen to that? We have the opportunity to facilitate that here. It also looks like kids. Not on Sunday morning, yes. But what about on another night? Maybe a Saturday night. We do parents' night out. Y'all have heard me say it before. I think we'd see more kids on a night here with parents wanting to come and just get a relief and go out and enjoy a night on the town and us love on those kids like we do with VBS and like we do on Sunday morning. What would it look like to pour into those kids and they're the ones that share the light and love of Jesus to the parents who don't know them yet? You want to know what enlarging our territory looks like? In my eyes, it looks like inviting the business community in and pouring into them biblical principles that will help them thrive in their business and again not for bottom line although that is probably a byproduct of it but to intentionally have a kingdom impact a kingdom mindset to their business to how they treat their employees how they partner with their suppliers how they interact with their customers you know what making room you know what enlarging our territory looks like It looks like not inviting people to the campus. It looks like taking church to them, to those that aren't willing to walk across the street because they're scared, because they're hurt, because they're questioning. That's what making room's about. It's not about a building, y'all. It is that. But it's far greater than that. And every one of those things that I've thrown out to you, and perhaps God's already placing something on your heart that's not been birthed yet or voiced, Yes, it might take a building, but you know what else it takes? It takes a body. It takes you. It takes me. To ask God to enlarge our territory, to have his hand on us, because apart from God, we can't do it. We need his hand upon what he's calling us to, or else we're doing it in our strength. But with God, all things are possible. So how many today want to ask God to enlarge your territory? How many of you want to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to other people? I think that's what Jabez was praying. And we know how it ends. 
Jesus wins. But he's inviting us to participate in his kingdom. May his kingdom come and it starts with you. And it starts with me. Be willing to ask God to break us free of those things that are limiting our outlook on life and our ability to impact others for Christ. And be able to taste the joy of watching one person at a time join the family. The family of God. The invitation that's offered to each and every one of us. Enlarge my territory, God. It's my prayer. Not just for me, but for you. And not just for you, but for us. That's what I want for this church. We have too much God-given talent to waste what the Spirit has given us. Let's not sit on the sidelines because of the limitations we think that we can't play in the game. God's given us everything we need. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for a word, an obscure word here in the Old Testament, and yet it points toward the truth of all Scripture. That you are about advancing your kingdom. Your kingdom are about people, it's about all people. Whether we have embraced you yet or not yet, it is about all of us because you died on the cross, your son did, for each and every one of us. So God, I want to lift up those this morning who have bought into a lie, who are stuck in the midst of grief, who have settled for complacency, who think that maybe they're they're no longer... uh, Uh, young enough to be able to do anything and yet the fact of the matter is is that in all seasons you use us because we are created for a purpose in all seasons of our life. God, I want to lift up those that are stuck in the past not simply remembering but become captive to it. And God, (laughs) for those of us that are still being held back by a pandemic that has come in God, God, would you begin to set us free and bring us back into community? Enlarge our territory, enlarge our way of seeing beyond the bounds of our own limited sight to what you see in us and what you want to do through us. God, would your Holy Spirit convict us that we are created for more, that making room is not about a building but about a body. You've invited each and every one of us to be a part of, and without each piece, the body cannot operate freely and fully. Enlarge our territory, Lord. And what I mean by that is enlarge your kingdom in us and through us. God, bless us. Bless each and every person here, but not for personal gain. (laughs) That'd be too short-sighted. Bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. God, may your hand be upon us as we continue to meditate today in this worship gathering upon your grandness, your grace, your truth, your freedom, your forgiveness that are found through your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name, your son, 
my and our Lord that I pray. Amen. Amen.